headed out. Welcome to episode 126 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, story by story. This week, we are joined by Ara Sujian, who is the famous director at Friendly Filmworks that did all of the LA Metro videos and has been notorious for bringing some certain famous people to the bank, among them System of a Down, the Mana folks and a few others. We'll get to that in a few minutes. No opponent correspondent this week as I think we're all just tired of hearing the Galaxy perspective on anything. So we're just going to keep it black and gold this week. As always, folks, my name is Jonathan Reimer and joining me, Christopher Sines and Christian Aparicio. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you doing, Jonathan? Glad to see you, Chris. Looking forward to talking some LAFC on Derby Week. It's going to be a good game, good match this upcoming Friday. Unfortunately, it's Tuesday at the time of recording and uh, there's still no Gareth Bale announcement so I am uh, not sure if we're gonna see him make his debut this Friday which is you know disappointing and a little bit because it's like as soon as you get him you want to see him you want to see what he's got and what he can do and especially doing it against the galaxy either way I'm sure we'll get we'll get a chance to see him do some damage at some point in his tenure here there's hope Hope is low. I think odds are slim to none that Gareth Bale is going to arrive in time to be anywhere near game ready for the Galaxy game. And sorry to, to let that out of the bag early in the show, but shh, boys, hold up. We'll get to the Galaxy in a minute. Oh, that's right. There was a game First and this foremost, What? There, I mean, I've already forgotten about it. Thank goodness I took some notes so that I have a chance to talk about it. But yes, LAFC did play a game over the weekend. Uh, we went up to Vancouver to BC place and took a one nil loss, but I don't think any of us really care too much about that result going up and playing on that plastic fungo pitch. You you hate to see players go up there and get hurt. You watch the way the ball moves during a game and it, it just looks like they're playing soccer on a trampoline. It is not a pretty game to watch. And I thought we might be able to squeak out of there with the point, but unfortunately, LAFC did take the loss. All of our DPs on the questionable and not performing list, whether you believe that is actually a result of injury or just some gamesmanship to make sure that they are ready for the derby on Friday. Unfortunately, we saw no Vela, no Raito up in Vancouver. A little bit of an interesting lineup change at the start of the game. We were going against a Vancouver team that always plays three at the back in a 3-4-3. So LAFC decided to match that with something between a 3-5-2 and a 5-3-2. I don't know if I'm smart enough to be able to tell you exactly what it was. And in the Vince LaRosa camp of things, that's just how it lines up on paper. The second the game starts, it's all changing from there. And, and what they actually line up at in different phases of the game ends up being a little different. But a back line of Fall Mario Ibiaga, a midfield quote-unquote of Escobar blessing Janela Acosta-Hollingshead, and forwards of Moose and Arango led off the game. Blessing had an absolutely huge opportunity early on that unfortunately just went off the post. Just seems like Latif really struggles to try and find the back of the net. There was some interesting refereeing decisions, yellow cards given for things that did not seem like yellow card violations, and then no yellow card given for an even more egregious version of the same thing, which has us all sort of questioning pro refs once again. But as a whole, LAFC managed zero shots on target. That one ball early on in the game that pinged off the crossbar was really all the offense that we could muster. We conceded 12 corners, did not get a single one 
for ourselves. And unfortunately, just when it looked like we were going to be able to walk out there with the point, Ilya Sanchez has one of the worst passes he has made all season. A player that has been a stalwart rock star performer for the black and gold just didn't pick his head up in time attempted to clear the ball right up the middle as opposed to outside and it ended up costing us and we walk away with no points and I guess my question boys is do we really care I mean really honestly the only thing I took away from that game is gosh man that number six for Vancouver looks really good and I wish he was on our team I'm not upset about the loss I think that going into it and having the lineup that we had, it allows me to have confidence that we're going to have a fully functioning all-star lineup for Friday, which is what I wanted. I would have liked to have seen a win. And I think that walking away with a tie would have been a nice consolation. It's a little concerning because it wasn't like we didn't have players on the pitch that could score goals. We've had, we had some players that have the ability to score goals and it it wasn't like Paul Murillo or starters. Escobar's a starter. Blessing has been a starter. Acosta's a starter. Hollinghead has been a starter. Uh, Chicho Rongo has been a starter. You know, so, and we had Max Cripo in it as goalie. When you look at all those, like that's six, seven, eight players potentially that are starters on our team at any given time. And for us to not have a shot on goal or a corner, those are the things that are a little concerning. Like, I understand that we would take a loss when we don't have any of our designated players in there. And a plus we're playing on a pitch that's not normally like what we play on and the ball moves faster and the it doesn't fly true. But the shots on target and not having any corners, that is a concerning stat for me. You know, looking at those things, that's not what I like to see. Having the loss doesn't bother me. You know, having the lineup doesn't really bother me. What bothered me is is just how it was played out. And it was a it was an errant pass at the very end. I mean, it should have been. It should have been a tie. It was an errant pass at the very end. And to see the way the Vancouver celebrated, they were celebrating like they had just won a playoff match. They were extremely happy with the fact that they scored a goal in the 89th minute. What did I come away with in this game is that this non-100% starting team were not our strongest squad could be a playoff team in the MLS. That's the type of quality we have. We were just not sharp. We didn't have any on target, but we had half chances. And Latif hit the crossbar, and he should have put that on frame. Like, I was questioned whether or not he can shoot well, but I've seen some LAFC social media where he's shooting really well. So I don't know what it is in games where he can't get the kind of shot I see in his practice. And maybe he gets to the last third winded and loses a little focus or looking for a pass first, but he should have had that at least on frame. But, you know, the 3-5-2 when we're on offense, 5-3-2 when we're on defense, I think it was effective. I think defensively we did well. I think what we thought would have helped close out the game with a minimum of a draw with Elie. That to me, I don't think he understood the assignment was preserving the tie instead of coming out pretty with a pass to try to counterattack. At that point, there's a few minutes left. Just boot it, right? You got to read the moment. And I understand you're in here with fresh legs, but not everyone's going to be running in the way you are at that point in time or thinking or on the same page. Hopefully it's a learning for him, especially for the playoffs. But overall, I think the squad defended resolutely. We did well enough to well enough to have gotten the point if we just defended for a few more minutes. And to me, that's a good thing. I think in years past, we don't defend for that long. Well, I think the offense isn't the issue. And then obviously we're protecting our DPs. Bella took a lot of knocks in the previous game. 
we've played multiple games with midweek in the middle of those matches since come back from break. We want to make sure Rayito's good and we want to make sure that everyone almost on the fifth yellow didn't get it. And then I think Murillo came off because he had a yellow and it was good to see that we're confident enough in Segura's fitness and he's confident enough in himself to make himself available. So I think those are the positives I have. The loss, it stinks, but I'd rather be healthy, have a full option for Shirundula going into playing the Galaxy this upcoming Friday at the bank. You took the words right out of my mouth. My next question or comment was going to be, finally, the return of Eddie Segura, this time not just for a couple minutes. He played nearly a full half and on turf and on what is been told to us by many players and people around the league as being one of the worst turfs in the league to play on. And the fact that Eddie Segura went out there and performed well gives us a lot of confidence in his return. And he might end up being one of the biggest signings of this summer window, quote unquote, in his return with all the big names coming in. Eddie Segura might be the one that has the biggest impact and was very refreshing to see him back as well, too. You know, with Ilya in that past, there were a number of times in which LAFC cleared their lines with a route one ball. We saw Mamadou Fall do it a couple times, and you could see that Vancouver figured that out and were picking those balls off pretty early. And I was surprised that the team didn't change to a more traditional clearance out towards the sides, and they kept attempting to throw that ball right down the middle. Obviously something that they must have figured out tactically as a way to expose Vancouver, but... They clearly buttoned up that issue and it didn't work out well for us. A bit of point counterpoint there. And, and ultimately, I mean, Ilya had 180 degrees in which he could have kicked that ball. And there was really only one player in front of him to miss. And, you know, unfortunately it went right in the wrong direction, but throughout the course of the game, when I was watching us pass the ball, you could see players getting really frustrated that the ball was not going anywhere near where they intended it to go. I mean, guys had hit passes and you could tell they were looking to hit a ball to a certain player, a ball that they normally execute nine times out of 10. And the ball would go 15, 20 yards in a completely different direction. And I think it was just a really hard reaction to the surface in which they were playing on because I've never seen this team missed passes by that much so often throughout the course of a game. Now, we've had games where we don't pass the ball well, but never off by such a huge margin as we saw throughout the course of this game. And I think a lot of that is the reason why we brought the squad we did, started it, and probably didn't play as front-footed as we normally would. It was a game in which we sat back a little bit more than LAFC typically does. And as a result, there was very little if actually no offensive potency to this team whatsoever. But I do think a lot of that has to do with the pitch and, of course, with the game coming up on Friday. But, uh, Chris Christian, any final thoughts on this game before we move on? Nope. With that, another big bombshell dropped this week. It was stated by some people around the community that LAFC are expected to move on from six players throughout the course of this summer window in order to make roster space for incoming players. And I have heard personally from people inside the club that that number is ludicrously high, but that, yes, there will be some departures. We need international roster spots and we need salary cap space. And let's be honest, LAFC have said since day one, they are a selling team and intend to sell players. And for an MLS squad, that often means summer window is when business gets done for the rest of the world. So I do expect there to be more departures throughout the course of this offseason. I do not expect that number to be anywhere near six players, at least six marquee players. 
But we did finally see the first player who was cut from this LAFC roster, Daniel Henry, waived by LAFC. He ended up having five appearances for us, two starts. Unfortunately, due to injuries and new arrivals and the fact that he was occupying a roster slot, I think the writing was on the wall that that international roster slot was going to be needed going forward. So they waived him. He ended up only playing a little over 130 minutes for LAFC. So it was pretty easy to see that that sacrifice needed to be made for the international roster spot to open up for someone else. But do you guys have any thoughts on the departure of Canadians men's national team player, Donnell Henry? No, I just wish him the best of luck. And I understand, you know, there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be making moves this summer because they're looking to try and put themselves in a position to where they'll make their national team roster for the World Cup. I mean, you can see it in the EPL and stuff like that. Like Zach Steffen just went on alone. Anyways, I just, I hope him the best. I hope that he lands with a squad that's going to give him the opportunity to showcase his ability and that he could he can make the, the Canadian national team. We can't be center back, actually. With him, we had six center backs. And, you know, game day, we have 18 players available. And six of them that you're choosing from to, you know, having the 11 plus the bench cannot be six center backs. Plus, we have Killini in. So it makes sense. He's not getting playing time. He's injured. So that Eddie is, you know, working himself back into fitness and starting to contribute minutes. So I think we have almost every kind of profile center back you can ask for to choose from for Turundolo, depending on the opponent moving forward for the second half of the season. And Daniel Henry, to your point, needs to find minutes somewhere else, especially trying to make the Canadian squad, and he's not going to do it here. So it's time to move on. And um, I appreciate those minutes that he did give us. And I hopefully he finds a place where he can contribute to that team much more. Yeah, too many bodies, not enough spots and minutes. Somebody had to go, and that international roster slot is just far too valuable to have there for a player that you don't intend to give any minutes, not with Ibiaga and Mario playing as well as they have. With Fall and Chiellini and, and so many other players looking for minutes, it, it was inevitable. In other LAFC news, the lauded arrival of Gareth Bale appears to be put on a temporary hold for the moment being, as it looks like he still has not been able to navigate his P1 visa to arrive here in time for him to be ready for this Friday's game versus the Galaxy. Just prior to recording, we did reach out to some members of LAFC if we could get an update on his arrival. And unfortunately, what we have heard is that they are still efforting the visa process. And we're not entirely sure he's even going to be able to be in the United States and at the game in time for this derby on Friday, but hopefully he's at least in the building, but probably more like what we saw out of Kilini in this last home game, where if he's there, it's going to be in a suit up in the owner's box. He's probably not going to be suited up and on the pitch. Are you guys disappointed that Bale is not going to be able to storm into the league versus Carson? And did you think that it would have been rushed even if he only had a week of preparation for this match? I'm a bit disappointed. I mean, I'm sure he's fit enough to give us 10, 15 minutes at the very minimum, but it's okay. I mean, we got to do things the right way and the right paperwork. The only advice I would give him is to not wear a nice suit, maybe wear some sort of sweatsuit. I think Gareth Bale, just like Gillini, can probably afford a good dry cleaner. Uh, but if either of them are looking for a great dry cleaner, I have a fantastic one here in the Valley. I would happily recommend if he gets John McCarthy. 100%. No, I'm not saying he can't afford it, but maybe he doesn't want to get that wet and want something that has more permeability, kind of fend it off. Because I feel like Gillini was a little heavier than he came 
after that. That's shalala. That suit was nice, man. That, I mean, you know, I got a hug <clears throat> from him in that suit. So, you know, I got a chance to kind of feel the texture of it a little bit. And uh, man, you know, those, those Italians, man, they dress well, you know, they're, they're kind of known for it. I have no idea if the Welsh are known for being as snazzy dressers as the Italians are, but uh, that was a nice suit Galini was wearing. And, you know, look, J-Mac, it was his birthday this week, so we'll give him a break, but uh, probably shouldn't be dumping water on the fancy new signings, fancy Italian suit. But uh, with that, I think uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the news and notes section of this. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we move on? Just some more rumors coming around of other players potentially being shopped. Chicho Arango, I think that that's kind of a, yeah, a bigger I saw one. A- a bunch of Austin fans are clamoring for the club to sign a Rongo. If LAFC do end up selling him, I really hope it is not to one of our MLS rivals. But I did see a bunch of Austin fans begging their club to sign a Rongo. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, he's definitely been one of those players that has made his mark here with LAFC over the last year that he's been here. And I would be really unhappy to see him leave. I think that having a player with his skill set, ability, and size is extremely useful, especially if you were to have him come in as a sub for the last 30 minutes when you have those fatigued and tired legs and you take a big body like his. I would hate to see him go. I mean, I'm sure he'll go eventually. I would hate to see him go before the end of the season. So I heard a rumor that our new DP is Chicho Arango. Mind blown. <laughs> well, I mean, he he's played well enough to deserve it uh, over the last from summer to summer, I guess. I think he needs to put a season together, but does that have to get triggered this summer or is that something that happens in December? Well, I have no idea because JT is never going to discuss contract details, uh, so we're never going to get that information, but uh from a reputable source mm. within the club, I heard that that is a very likely possibility. Obviously, Nothing is done, but it is very possible that Chicho Arango becomes our next designated player. A defensive move to keep him? Is that kind of what you're thinking? This is just what I heard is that part of his original contract was Ah. he would come over as a non-DP player. But then after one year, which we are almost at, uh, if he met certain performance metrics the contract clause would trigger for him to either become a designated player or the team would sell him off. And I don't know what any of those specific contract things are, but I have to imagine as well as he has performed for us that he has triggered any of those clauses that might exist within the contract. I would be perfectly happy with getting his kind of production out of a DP player, especially as he continues to improve and grow. I think the fan base loves him. There will always be some people that will be frustrated that it is not a world-class player on world-class wages that come in. But when you look at what it costs to get a world-class player in today's market, I just don't see LAFC going out there and spending north of Carlos Vela money on a player. And so for less than $6 million a year, can you get a player as good as Chicho Arango that fits in well with the fan base and performs well on the pitch? That's a JT and Will question. You mean Gareth Bale? (laughs) Well, there's other reasons that Gareth Bale is here. If Wales had not qualified for the World Cup, Gareth Bale would not be here. 
right? I mean, this this entire move to LAFC was predicated. And frankly, Chiellini wouldn't be here if Italy had qualified. Uh, so the fortunes of national teams benefited us in this World Cup year. I don't think in a normal year, if World Cup was not happening, we have any chance of signing either of those players for the dollar amount that they came in at. Now, maybe there's another player out there in the world on fringe DP money that LAFC could afford that would like to come for the rest of the season and come and just, you know, bang in goals and get himself ready for world cup. That's possible. And I think the club is efforting all of those possibilities, but just what a little birdie told me is that the new DP is going to be Chicho Arango, but we could also still sell Brian Rodriguez in the summer, bring in a new DP and still make Chicho Arango a DP. So all of those things are very possible. I have heard, that Brian Rodriguez is always someone who is being shopped in every transfer window. Yeah. Um, you know, we've joked about the blue light special sitting on JT's desk and, uh, you know, it's off to Poncho Janela that we're talking about. And I certainly think the club would take any offer on Poncho at the moment, but any respectable offer for Raito and he's probably gone as well too. Yeah. Two for one, actually. Sit on man, Janela. But that, that, that is potentially not breaking news because this was already reported on a year ago. I just think many people have kind of forgotten about that reporting as we are drooling over our new signings and the potential of a new DP. So I don't think we're breaking any news there that wasn't already talked about last year. I got a quick question before we move on gareth bale jersey numbers what are your guesses go 13 is the only one not available under 30 is that correct is it 14 Kilini wears 14 now oh, oh he already got 14 so bale would have to take one in the 30s is that correct yeah 13 or something in the 30s okay i'll go 13 yeah i think so or 33 i guess yeah i don't know you know i really would have thought that Kil- i would have put money down that Kilini would have taken 13 because he wore three for all those years that it's like or 33 I don't know how he landed on 14, but either way, I think Bale's going to go with 33 until he gets 11. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. You're you're the kit man. You know far more about this than I do. I I trust whatever, whatever you say. That's my gut, dude. It's like, you know, the, these marquee players will wear some obscure number that, uh, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm just wearing this for half a season until my real number comes available. I'd kind of maybe just a little bit like him to rock 99, just to bring back some of those Dio memories of that striker that comes in for those last 30 minutes and just bull in a China shop tears the pitch apart. There's part of me that would kind of like to see that or someone rocking 42 in honor of Jackie because I get 42 on all my my kits and I'd, I'd love to see a, a 42 transition over, but you never know. I would like I think I like the the 33 as an homage to the to the time when he wore three, you know, as a wingback. It's amazing. You like that guy was a wingback converted to striker. You know, it, I just, you know, I haven't been around the game long enough to see those types of player transformations, but I find those ones to be the most intriguing. Hey, Kenley Jansen was a catcher, right? Football. We're talking about, we're talking about proper football. <laughs> You know, I'm going to slide that Dodgers reference in at some point in time. Come on now. All right, boys. Well, that about wraps us up for news and notes. Folks, we will be right back after this short break with today's guest, Ara Sujian, who is the film director at Friendly Filmworks. Hi, guys. My name is Jaime Camille, and you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. Joining us as our guest this week is Ara Sujian. You can follow him at A-R-A-S-O-U-D-J-I-A-N. 
Ara is an award-winning filmmaker and owner of Friendly Filmworks. He has won several awards in the commercial and music video industry, working with brands such as Sony Music, Warner Brothers, Gatorade, Ralph's, and of course, doing the LAFC ads for LA Metro. Ara, welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. It's welcome, an honor welcome. to be here. I'm excited. Absolutely. So before we dive into your Hollywood career, we'd kind of like to roll it all the way back to when the beautiful game entered your life. Do you remember when you fell in love with football? Yeah. So what's interesting about me is I'm half Mexican, half Armenian. So football is in my blood. My father is a huge, huge soccer football fan, and we would play and watch soccer all the time. And my mom being Mexican, huge, huge Mexican national team supporter and fan and My brother and my sister and I would wake up, watch the World Cup games with my mom, with Luis Matador, Hernandez, and Jorge Campos, all the way going way back to those teams. And, you know, it's just soccer and football has been ingrained in me ever since I was a young kid. Was it only the national team for a three or did you have other clubs that you supported or followed since you were a child? It was basically the U.S. national team and L3. I mean, that's that's basically all we would, you know, have over here until MLS started. And uh, I can proudly say that I was at that first uh, Galaxy match when Jorge Campos was a goalie for the Galaxy at the Rose Bowl. And it was pretty exciting that MLS had started back then. And I think that was 1995, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, club-wise, you know, like I said, we, we would kind of root for all the uh, U.S. national team players or the uh, Mexican national team players who are playing abroad. And to tie it back to LAFC, I mean, one of my favorite players and a, a guy I supported throughout his career has been Carlos Vela, basically making me a huge Arsenal fan. There you go. There's a jersey. You know, a friend of mine bought me the Vela Arsenal jersey from way back. I think it was like 2011 or whatnot. So it was actually really exciting when, um, you know, LAFC was first forming and they announced Carlos Vela as their first signing. It was a pretty uh, exciting day for me. Uh, what you can't see on this podcast is me holding up my Arsenal Carlos Vela jersey that I bought when I was so ecstatic that Arsenal had signed this new player that I thought was going to be the next Terry Henry. And I yes. immediately rushed out and bought my Arsenal Vela kit. One of the first gringos here in LAFC fan base to probably own a Carlos Vela kit long before the, the black and gold day. So my heart's with you on that one, Ara. I was ecstatic when Vela signed here as well, too. Sadly, his career did not pan out for Arsenal very well. No. And there were many, many years in which that jersey sat in the back of my closet as a reminder that... Uh, you should probably wait until people retire to buy jerseys. But, you know, that being said, I'm still probably going to pick up a Kalini and Bale one. So, you know, I, I clearly yes. have not learned my lesson. Yes. And that's exciting. I Hopefully they'll be playing on Friday. So let's see. That'd be great. So, you know, I would like to know a little bit about your career, right? Like, you know, obviously here living in Los Angeles, people love to get into the industry and you have made your mark on this industry. You know, you're a filmmaker. And like we had said in the lead in too, you've worked with a lot of companies and industries and people and actors. So how did you get involved in that? Well, as a kid, I don't know, like movies were always in the background and living in Hollywood, arts and entertainment. I mean, I was, I, I was born in Hollywood. I grew up on Beachwood right near the Hollywood sign. So it was only natural that I, you know, try to pursue a a career in filmmaking. But I think it was like Back to the Future, like watching movies like that inspired me and Star Wars and whatnot. So, you know, to try to my goal, you know, I've always been um, I was never a great student. I was always like more of the, the doodler and drawer in class. So, uh, I guess I decided to go to film school. I went to CSUN 
graduated there in, in their film program and just started working here and there. And it's been 22 years now that I've been doing this. So it's been a long road. Did you make connections at CSUN that led to some uh, networking and takes us to here and now? I mean, a couple, a few years ago, you did LA Metro with LAFC. Yeah, I would say, I always say this, but my lucky charm has been Serge from uh, System of a Down. He's been my lucky charm. And I did a bunch of stuff. I did a bunch of videos for local artists, bunch of commercials, one man band type of thing. My favorite filmmaker at the time was Robert Rodriguez. So I kind of read his book, Rebel Without a Crew. And that kind of helped me become, he says, if you can do everything, you'd be dangerous. So I would shoot, I would direct, I would edit. And it was in 2007, a friend of mine, Sako, who's actually, who's a huge LAFC fan as well. He was doing Serge's website and basically referred him to me. He said, hey, you know, my, my buddy can do a video for you. And I did a small little video for Serge and it went really well. And someone at Warner Brothers, Craig Aronson, saw that video and then hired me to do his next video. And I did Wiz Khalifa's video. So uh, up until today, like even like the LAFC video, I guarantee you something down the line, there is a Serge Tankian connection to that video. So I kept on working, did a bunch of work. And eventually work led me to LA Metro. And I have to give a big shout out to Joe Lemon at LA Metro. If it wasn't for Joe Lemon, I wouldn't be here and talking to you guys. He was the mastermind over there who kind of thought about the idea of doing a commercial with LAFC when they first started. So him and I co-directed the first video with Latif running around Union Station. And then it led to the second video with Atuesta and Walker Zimmerman and whatnot. So I, I give Joe a major, major props for uh, bringing me on that. So obviously our fans are familiar with those LA Metro ads. And you've mentioned some artists that certainly resonate with the community. But if fans wanted to go see some of your work, is there a place they could go to check it out? Or are there some specific videos or titles that they might be familiar with? Um, they, they could go on our website, FriendlyFilmworks.com, or follow me on my Instagram. I always post you know the work that I've been doing over there. And, uh, you know, share good work for that other people are doing as well. I have to give a massive, massive shout out to LAFC Marcus and Mark Hill, who do, who do amazing, amazing work for LAFC. So those guys, like every time I watch their videos, they blow me away. They're doing they're doing everything right. Yeah, Marcus's content is is amazing. I mean, all yeah. the time he's constantly coming out and the imagery that he has behind his stuff is I mean, it's amazing. So good. Yeah. Excellent. The photographers, everybody, everybody does a, a, an amazing job there. So, you know, so I'm curious, right? So you had talked about how you had gone to the very first Galaxy game and, you know, so you had been aware of the MLS, but when you tell us about how you first heard about LAFC and met, what made you want to come and check out the LAFC? So I think when LAFC started, there was like a buzz, right? There was a buzz. And what actually, what I loved about it was the community, the culture it had created before there was a game played. And there was a buzz and I followed, you know, obviously on social media and the news would always talk about LAFC, this new club. And um, just the fact being a, a football soccer fan, I love, you know, the Premier League, all the leagues over there in Europe. La Liga, but we never had a football culture here in the States. And I think that's what's missing. And I think being like, you know, being an Arsenal fan, I'd go to Lucky Ballins and you see all the Brits singing songs and chanting. And there was like this community there. And that was really, really lacking, I, I think, here in the States. And once you saw what was happening, the videos of the, you know, the 3252, the, the supporters clubs, I was like, sign me up. I, I, I want to be a part of that. You know, they're doing something right. And uh, massive, massive props to uh to rich orozco lafc rich 
massive props to him and, and the entire staff because they, they definitely are doing something right there. Obligatory LAFC Rich shout out. We get one per episode per guest. That's <laughs> it. No more Rich shout outs for this episode. But uh, he does get one every single episode, it seems. So shouts to you, Uncle Rich. We love you. We know that uh, you are the mortar that put this community together brick by brick. So you started doing the work with LAFC Metro. When did that transition to you becoming a super fan? And how did your fandom of LAFC grow? So I was a super fan before we even started doing those videos. I think that's what Joe and I, Joe Joe Lemon from Metro, We he's a super fan too. He has, his, he has season tickets there. And we'd always talk about LAFC. And, um, you know, I think basically when he came up to me with this idea to, you know, reach out and do this partnership video, like, you know, I was all in, I was like, of course, let's, let's do it. But, uh, you know, I guess the answer is day one, I was a super fan, you know, even before I did those LASC videos. So how did that transition to you being the gateway person to have introduced all these stars to the bank? And for our fans that don't know, why don't you rattle through the list of some people that you have dragged to the bank with you for them to awe over? Um, so I, I brought the uh, the system guys, Shavo, who's a staple now at the bank. He's there and the fans love Shavo. He has a blast. Uh, you could tell. Darren from system. I recently brought Serge from system. Sergio Vallin from Mana and Ulysses from Mana, who are, you know, they, they were blown away by, by everything. I, I mean, Sergio said that there's magic at the bank and he's absolutely right. There is magic there. I brought Araxia from Good Day LA, Angela Sarafian from Westworld. I brought Cebu from Capital Cities, the band Capital Cities, Sona from Conan. Love Sona. Her husband, her husband's a super fan since day one. Her husband actually has a song about LAFC that he's, he's uh, scored and written. So he's a day day one super fan, and uh, I, I have to give him a shout out. But that's about it. Like, uh, you know, whoever I can bring, I just want them to share that experience over at that bank, that magic, like Sergio Vain says, that happens at our stadium. I love how you're like, oh, that's about it. You just rattled off like 20 superstars. No big deal. Just, you know, casually some people that I brought to the bank. Um, you know, Shavo, we are all huge system fans on this show. Uh, Shavo was uh, a guest on the show, which was a life-changing moment for all all of us here. So thank you so much for introducing them to the bank. And when you bring one of these superstars in, kind of take us through their experience and how you get to view that firsthand as, you know, they show up and what are their emotions preceding the match? And then once they take in the experience that is Bank of California Stadium, what are those emotions like throughout the game and post game? So my favorite part is when they don't know anything about LAFC, they don't know anything about that experience. That's my favorite part. When they get there and just the emotion, the uh, the energy, and I have to say that the 3252 is basically the heartbeat of that stadium. They are the heartbeat of that stadium. And when they get to see the 3252, everybody's just like staring at them with this big smile. And that's my favorite, favorite part. You know, the players are excellent. They're great. But it's those fans that really make that stadium into a place to be, I think. And again, I love it. I love just seeing their faces once they walk in and they see that they don't, they, they can't, I don't think they, they would, they expect that, you know, and, and, I, you know, I'm a huge sports guy. I love the Dodgers, uh, the Lakers, whatnot. But I think there's going to an LAFC match, there's that's something special that you don't get at any other sporting event. So when you look at everything that goes on 
and and all of this what what would you say has been one of your favorite experiences at the bank personally for you was it a particular game was it you know having a certain guest come and you saw the reaction and their appreciation and their enjoyment at the bank or is it connecting with the community what is it about the matches that is is your favorite i think my favorite match would have to be like the first one I went to season one and I went there with my wife and my kids. And uh, it's just for the first time, I felt like finally there's, I have a club that I can support for, you know, for the rest of my life and I can pass it down to my kids, but I do, do love the people. I love everybody there. I have to give a major shout out to Jenny and Jason over there in 3252. They were responsible actually for bringing the system guys to the bank. Jenny was actually in one of my commercials, uh, Walter from the drum line and, and Jenny's two sons. They were in the second Metro spot and she was the one that, you know, randomly emailed me and because of my connection, you know, with the, with the system guys invited them to come to a game. So, you know, she's, she's the one that's responsible for this, for all the system guys, for Shabo being there. Do you have any upcoming projects you want to plug? Social media? What's the best way to, to find out what you're doing next? Uh, social media, like follow me on Instagram and you can see the, the, the cool stuff I'm, you know, working on. I just did something for Nike and Marcus Rashford. So that was pretty exciting. Tried to get him to the bank. I tried to get Rashford to the bank, but he, he had to fly back that day. So that didn't work out. But I'm just excited about that match on Friday. So hopefully, you know, we win on Friday and uh, and keep the momentum going. We lost this past week, which was a bummer. But, you know, hopefully we'll win on, on Friday and, and see what happens. Nah, I don't think any of us care about that game up there on the fungo turf. If we're no, playing on a no. plastic pitch, I'm fine with the lineup we brought up there and the result. Everybody came back healthy. All that matters. Yes. Um, you know, I just, just to throw a random question out there. We have so many people here in the Los Angeles community that would kill to be in your shoes, right? That would love to know what the path is for the aspiring artist, director, producer, editor. For all of those people, maybe is there a path that you would recommend one take? What is the key to making it through the hurdle of going from unknown to known? What was your key to success that you would like to pass on to them? You know, I think hard work. I think if you just do the work, eventually you'll get lucky. I know that sounds pretty generic, but I think if you just do the work, no matter how big or how small, do the work, do the best you can. Don't chase. You'll attract the work, I feel like. So, so I mean, it's easier said than done, but you know, I was, I was a guy that would chase, 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 and always follow my face and get doors shut. But I think if you just, you know, put your blinders on, do the work, do the best job you can do, you'll get lucky. You'll get lucky and doors will open for you. And that's the one secret that I tell everybody. Well, I'm sure you have some great stories that are probably not appropriate for the podcast about all these fans. So uh, <laughs> folks, if you're out there, do chase down Ara at a game. I'm sure he's got some great dirt on all the system boys and uh, lots of fun stuff that goes on behind the scenes here in Hollywood. You've been very gracious with your time this evening. We thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we do have one final question before we send you home, sir. Shoulder to Shoulder is the name of the podcast. It's on the back of our kit it is a mantra by which this club has lived since day one but yet every guest who comes on this show that gets asked this question finds a different heartfelt definition that resonates to each and every one of them and so for all of our fans we'd like to hear ara what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you shoulder to shoulder we're all humans okay doesn't matter what race what background we're all humans we're there in that bank we're one you could be mexican you could be armenian you could be Colombian, 
you could be, I mean, whatnot, it doesn't matter. But in that stadium, you're one, you're human. And there's a lot of respect, mutual respect amongst all the groups in there. So that's the beauty of it. I think at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, love and respect. So that's, that's what shoulder to shoulder means to me. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Once again, folks, our guest has been Ara Sujian. You can give him a follow at Ara, A-R-A, Sujian. S-O-U-D-J-I-A-N and check out all of his work with Friendly Filmworks at Friendly Filmworks. Ara, thank you so much for joining us, folks. We will be right back after this short break with the last segment of today's show. Thanks, guys. What's up, y'all? It's Sholo Maridueña, Miguel Diaz from Cobra Kai, and uh, you're listening to the Shoulder to Shoulder podcast. All right, gentlemen. It is time to talk some Carson Galaxy. You know, I know these are the games that we look forward to all year, but after the way the team has performed this year, I think this is a completely different feeling going into this derby, unlike one we have ever had in the history of LAFC. And we've talked about it on so many shows that we constantly feel like we have a better team. Our team performs better week in and week out. We have better players. We have so many things going for us. And then it all goes out the windows in these derby matches. And LAFC, you have no idea if it's the team that's going to show up and score five or six goals, or if it's a team that's going to show up and concede two quick ones and constantly have to be fighting back throughout the course of the rest of the game. I have no idea how to predict this match, but Fortunately, I go last on this show and you guys go first. So boys, what do you think is going to happen? I have a good feeling about this match. I think that we're much healthier than at the Open Cup, number one. I think there's less load of a game. There's been more management of minutes and health and uh, yellow cards. I think that the players are up for it. Obviously, the bank's always going to bring it. And we do better at home games with the Galaxy. And I think there's just an overall more positive and confident feeling the front office in the locker room. And I think in the anxious kind of energy is going to be less so at this game is my prediction for this match. So I'm looking forward to, to it. I think all the players are up for it. Everyone knows that there's incoming reinforcements coming. So I think they're also motivated to make sure that they're the number one choice or if they get chosen to play or come in as a sub, they really have to demonstrate why they're being giving this opportunity more so than other games. And this is going to be televised. Now this is uh, not only a national game, it's an international game. So you know, for those that are trying to make a career, or, you know, this is their platform to go abroad. I know Brian Rodriguez has done that in the past, but it doesn't necessarily have to do that. But others that want to look for a springboard kind of game, this is where you do it. And I think the, the Galaxy has have been in a very inconsistent moment and they played on Monday. We're recording Tuesday, played on July 4th. So we're going to have a shorter week. Also, um, they had a good performance in that game, watching the scoreline and some of the highlights. But I do think that LAFC, if they play like they played last week, midweek and the weekend before that, not the Vancouver game, obviously not our number one choice of players, that we are the better team. The points say that the, the games we've played in league say that and it's time to show it, put up or shut up. And I think we have the mentality, the tactics and the atmosphere to do so. All right. I'm very confident about this team. I love this club. I love this crest. And I get up for these matches. These are some of my favorite matches that I look forward to every season, especially when they're at the bank, because there's no other atmosphere in American soccer than there is at the Bank of California Stadium during a derby. With that in mind, I got to 
I got to give you guys some stats that I saw going through social media today. Ooh, I uh, love stats. Lay them on us. You're not going to love these stats. And this came courtesy from LAFC Edge, who retweeted it. So there's this guy named Kevin Acevedo who works for the Galaxy. I don't know what he does for them. He put out a tweet saying the LA Galaxy are 6-0 and across all competitions against the top six teams in the Supporters' Shield race. With the season-opening win over NYCFC on February 27th, victories over Austin in on May and May, May 8th and 29th, wins against LAFC on April 9th and, and May 25th, and the win over Montreal on July 4th. In the six matches against Austin, NYCFC, LAFC, and Montreal this year, the Galaxy have outscored the opposition 15-3. to Now, when you those were home us, games. I don't know. Exactly. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that this team... LAFC needs to come out and take it serious and they need to make a statement and the wins that we've had, they are going to look less meaningful if we continue to lose. And if, or even if we don't lose, but we come out and we play poorly, we need to have as complete of a game as possible because unfortunately these demons, we still have to exercise them. There is this over overhanging, layer of superiority that the galaxy have and it 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 needs to go away in order for us to move on and and start creating our own narrative and unfortunately we just have this dark cloud so i'm excited for this match i think that lac is going to play well because i've seen lac play well and i know the potential that we have i just hope that the team comes out and plays and we play a complete a complete match in all three phases and that um, we embarrass them. I hope that we embarrass the Galaxy for this match. I don't think, sorry to interrupt, Christian. I, I don't think LAFC have put together a complete performance yet this season. We've had games where we've won handily, but I'm not so convinced that this LAFC team has shown us what they can do yet. I don't think we've had one of those statement games where wall-to-wall, every facet of play, everyone played up to the ability that we expect and see in them in flashes. And I think, Chris, you make an excellent point when you talk about run of form. Galaxy took on a Montreal team that's top five in the supporter shield and absolutely smoked them for nothing yesterday. You know, we took on a bottom-feeding team in Vancouver and put up absolutely zero shots against them. Now, I know it was heavily rotated and it was on turf and insert excuse here. But this Friday, there are no excuses. This fan base is done with excuses and poor performances. And if we have another lifeless, tepid performance versus the Galaxy, man, torches and pitchforks. Christian, you were saying? And I'm going to push back on your stats. That's pulled to to tell a story, right? And a lot of those games were home games for them. And yeah, we didn't beat them at Dignity Health Sports Park. And that's something, maybe that's a, one of the last demons I think LAFC has to exercise. But we beat them at the bank in the playoff. You know, we beat them multiple times at the bank. So I also think the Galaxy are inconsistent. So if they're healthy and informed, yeah, they're they're a good team. But if they're not, well, if they have to go into the bench, they can't change the game the way LAFC do. So I think this is the opportunity to kind of write the, our story or put additional data points so that that stat isn't as, as important. Of course, a Galaxy fan is going to pull something that's advantageous to what makes them feel good going into this game. That's their job. So they should do. That's probably that guy's job in general. But 
Also, LAFC gets the best of every single team every single time we play anybody because we're been in first place. Not everyone goes in with that mentality into a Galaxy game. They're not the name they used to be five, ten years ago. It's a more doable game. I do concede that they won this this Monday handily, but Montreal is pretty far too. It, they needed this win. They wanted more. And that's what the Galaxy is probably good at is getting up for games where they need to change their momentum. But they're they're by no means consistent. So that's why I feel confident because we're rested up for this game. Um, they do get up for these matches, but I don't I don't think they're going to have enough this time around in comparison to the Open Cup. There is something to be said for this Carson team plays up to the level of their opponent, and it has been a constant critique of this LAFC team that they play down to the level of their opponent. And, and whether those are just narratives or, or there's actual tangible pieces to go off of for that, the Galaxy have stepped up of late every time they've played LAFC. And LAFC have absolutely soiled the linens every time this season in which we have had to take on the Galaxy. And, and narratives can turn in the course of one game. But so far this season... They've had our number, and it hurts to say that. I hate saying it, but... You know what else? Oh, sorry to cut you off. You know what else I'm confident, too? It's Fall. Fall's not playing. And in both those games, I think his immaturity showed. And Ibiaga's been a much, much more mature player. So in the back, we're not as naive or loss of concentration or wanting to attack to make up for your for your kind of mistakes Ibiaga is more consistent we don't he doesn't attack as much and he's a little more conservative and I think that's what we need we need concentration on losing track of their of their strikers and that's what he's brought so you know just to reiterate though this is the 16th match the 16th El Trafico how LAFC dare you is... sir how dare you soil <laughs> this show and its glorious reputation with such filth this is a family-friendly show, sir. I will not have you use such language on this pod. Bro, we got to accept it, man. Like, at this point, like, we, we have to we accept it. We have a one-third vote right now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, LAFC has not won since October 25th of 2020. All last year in 2021, there was two ties and a loss. And this year so far, we've had two losses. The overall record, Galaxy have seven wins. LAFC has three wins and there's been five ties. So let me ask you this. If we get another tie and we don't win, because we obviously know, like if we win, everything's great. We lose, everything's terrible. We tie. And let's say we tie well. We've done that a lot against them. So it is what it is. I'll move on. I mean, maybe not the rest of LAFC fans and supporters. To me, the goal this year is the championship, right? We, I want to beat them, of course, 100%. But as long as we don't lose to them. And if we tie well, then it is what it is because they pull results out of their butt against us all the time. We just got to execute and it's doable. I think, I think we're in a good moment. I think if it's a tie, it's the manner in which we tie, right? If LAFC goes out and plays a fantastic performance and then there's some questionable pro refing of the game that awards them a goal or a penalty or, or something like that. And it ends up being a tie because of, something other than the performance of our players, then we can walk away with our head held up high and be like, you know, look, we got Ted uncle. I don't even know who the ref is going to be for this game. Have they announced that yet? But if LAFC goes out and has the kind of performances like we've had against the galaxy so far this year, and it results in a tie, 
then I think we're right back to the exact same feelings we had the week after they bounced us out of the Open Cup. And I think people are going to be calling for heads and changes. I Look, I don't think Kalini's going to have much to do with this game. I don't think he's going to be ready to really have significant minutes in this match. Bale's not even in the country yet. It's Tuesday, and so there's no way he's going to be ready to play Friday. But, you know, again, it's the manner in which we perform. Results will dictate the majority of the narrative, but the manner in which we play is going to formulate a lot of opinions coming out of this game, especially like Christian mentioned with this is unquestionably the most eyes that are going to be on an LAFC game probably ever since a CCL final. I mean, with the arrival of Kalini and Bale, I mean, so many people are going to be watching this game. There's an immense amount of pressure for us to go out and play beautiful football. I do think it's not so far-fetched though that a player with the caliber of Gareth Bale does a Zlatan-esque appearance where he arrives the day before he suits up. And as a striker, it's like, hey, man, just just go out there and see if you get the ball. I mean, if he gets here by Thursday, I mean, it could happen. I'm not saying it is impossible that he sees minutes in this game, but I I would put the odds on it at less than 1%. Big payout. I am not a sports better. Please do not do not bet based on anything I've ever said. But uh, yeah, I, I just, um, you know, I don't know if the roster pieces, the contract pieces, if all that stuff are going to be in place in time for, for him to even be able to step out onto the pitch for LAFC, let alone the kind of work visa, P1 visa issues that the club is currently going through to get him in. Uh, we have the international roster slot, I believe, now with Henry having been termed. So I, I'm not entirely sure what the snag is on our end. But if it's an immigration snag, you know, I, I have no idea. And I'm sure there are a lot of people across MLS that would be motivated to make this as complicated a process for LAFC as possible. So, you know, who knows? I look, I, it would be cool if he's in the building right now. That's that's all I'm hoping for is that we get to see him at the bank that day. You know, maybe a press conference prior to the match or something would be pretty cool, very similar to what we had with Giorgio, but I'm I'm not holding out any hope for him to come in and kick a 40-yard goal over a sleeping keeper. Gentlemen, um, I have not gotten a score prediction from either one of you. So uh, as we approach the waning moments of the pod, I'm going to I'm going to ask gentlemen, go ahead and give me a score prediction. Or to two three zero i'm going to summon my inner yankee gooner and from here until the end of time every single lafc la galaxy matchup is only going to have one score prediction the only score prediction my heart wants you've heard it before on the show and i committed that i would say this every time we play them so i'm sticking to it it's lafc 10 carson mill you heard it here first wow like what a worthless prediction! Like it serves. You know I'm when glad, it happens. I'm glad you don't when bet. it happens, I'm gonna be serving you up all that Cuervo, brother. All right, that's it. You gonna be eating that crow. I'm glad you're not wow. a betting man. <laughs> like you might as well have just said like negative one. Bro, it's you gonna know? be nine nil in like the 85th minute, and you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, Jonathan nailed it, and then boom. Someone's going to come in off the bench. We're going to get that 60th, 70th goal off the bench for this season. It's going to be 10-0, and uh, I'll be taking that one all the way to the bank next show. 
You just watch. You just watch. Next show after we win, 10 nothing. I'm going to be sitting here happy as a clam. Speaking of next shows, we are currently working on getting our our next in-person show, guys. That's exciting. I don't I know. We don't, right. we don't have the official date or we have the guest, but we don't have the official date yet. So it'll be good to finally have an in-person show two years later. When was the last time the three of us were in the same room together? At the last show with Jerry, it was Jerry Reynoso's mom and Jerry. Wait, wasn't our, no, wasn't our last no, show. It was the week after Jaime Camille. Oh, I thought it was Jaime Camille. Oh, there wasn't any other time. All three of us have been in the same place. I can't remember. Not in the no. last two years. I don't think I so. just saw Christian for the first time in two years, like two weeks ago. Last home match. Yeah. It's a sad thing. I, I miss hanging out with the two of you. Anyway, folks. We are looking forward to getting back in the studio. No more of this clicking mute, clicking off mute, having to deal with Zoom microphones and all that stuff. Hopefully, we are going to get back at recording in lovely shoulder-to-shoulder studios, Aparicio Studios, very soon. Maybe, here, but. maybe once a month we'll do the in-person. I, I think this. I think Zoom has allowed us to get more people on our show, so we can't can't veer away from that. I have to drive to where to record is a heck of a lot different than I could be sitting in my house to record. Yeah, a lot lot easier to book guests in this format. I, I will agree with you there. Uh, gentlemen, any final thoughts this Derby week before we go ahead and wrap up today's show? No, 3-0. 4-2. Definitely not 10-0. I don't know. Jeez. <laughs> That's my, it. My Looking forward to seeing everybody at the, at the bank on Friday for sure. Yeah, it'll be, yeah get there early because Friday traffic is going to be a nightmare. And getting, I don't, okay, I don't know who these people are that go to these matches, okay? I don't know who these people are that think, oh, the match starts at 7.30. I'm going to pull into the parking lot at 7 and get into the stadium on time. I've seen so many people make comments talking about, oh, I didn't get in until like the, the 30th minute. It's like, are you new? How long have you lived in LA? Like, you don't get anywhere with 30 minutes to spare like you have to show up an hour an hour and 15 hour and a half early like that's that's the only way you get in on time you're either super early or you're late he's not wrong and while we're i'm just gonna soapbox here for a moment folks be be kind to other lafc fans in the parking lot i have seen far too much lately of people being extremely rude to other LAFC fans and not letting people back out of their parking spot and cutting people off. And it's like, all of a sudden we're shoulder to shoulder in the bank and everybody's everybody's best buddy. But when all of a sudden it comes to getting in your car and letting someone back out of their parking spot, uh, you know, we treat each other like we're bitter rivals. Um, Love to see that familial brotherhood of friendliness continue into the parking lot as well too it's so shameful to see people hug and and be so happy with one another inside the bank and then get in their cars and instantly become enemies i I would like to see that go away we could start the be kind in the parking lot movement that would that would mean a lot to my mental health after games because uh, i've seen some stuff that just blows my mind going on in that parking lot all right so chill all right Y'all, y'all gonna get home. It's gonna be fine. There's no need to be aggressive over six feet of turf in a parking space. People, calm down. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's it. I'm old man off my lawn moment. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and 
wrap it up with a sunshiny moment here folks we'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to episode 126 of shoulder to shoulder podcast we'd like to thank ara sujian for being our guest you can follow him at ara sujian on all the social media platforms and check out friendly filmworks if you want to catch up on any of his work you can always follow us at lafc s2s on all your social media platforms and we'd love to have you on the show as a guest come and tell us your black and gold story and what shoulder to shoulder means to each and every one of you on behalf of chris christian the legend sound engineer wilton and myself jonathan we'd like to thank you all for listening have a good evening take us home sticks Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They want me to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.